0: That's what's gonna harness people to be like, I will make 120 calls for you and I will do it happily. And when we tap into that motivation of the person, that's where I've seen insane results.
1: Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. I'm excited to be joined today by Paul Warner. Paul is the founder of Tamarack Recruiting, which he launched in 2018 as a lifestyle business that could support his other career as a professional cyclist. He leveraged AI and other technology to allow him to connect companies and candidates quickly in the few hours that he had to work between races and traveling. Then, in 2020, the pandemic brought the cycling circuit to a halt, and Paul shifted his focus to scaling his agency. He's done phenomenally well going from 90K in yearly billings when he was just running it as a side hustle to a million dollars plus in uh, annual billings in only three years. Now a team of seven, Tamarack Recruiting uses cutting-edge processes that Paul has developed to make placements have an impact on their clients and their candidates' careers and achieve a really fast turnaround I'm proud that uh, Paul is a client of our Inner Circle Apex group. And uh, Paul, welcome. Thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited.
1: All right. Fantastic. So you have a really interesting backstory. Can you talk a little bit about how you got started recruiting but ran that parallel to your athletic career?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I got started in recruiting back in 2015. Right when I graduated from Boise State University, um, leading leading up to me getting into recruiting, I always thought that I wanted to do medical device sales and I wanted to be able to just be a sales rep was kind of what I thought when I was going to graduate college. And I started doing these things called informational interviews at the uh, the last... I guess it was, it would have been the last two semesters of my junior, my junior year. So I did it through, I am considering a second semester through college as well, but I, uh, went into a recruiting firm by the, by the name of tech systems. And I sat down with the director of business operations there and did an informational interview, had a few lunches and he was like, well, why don't you just start recruiting as soon as you're, uh, Uh, like start recruiting right now go through training um while you're still in in school kind of doing your last semester at boise state and and sure enough that's actually how i got in so my last semester at boise state i started recruiting and i i really haven't looked back since on on starting the starting the recruitment game awesome all right that's
1: cool uh so you actually started before you even graduated that's awesome yeah
0: yeah it was was pretty i was really thankful
1: and how, how did you juggle that? Because you've been involved in uh, competitive sports for a long time as well. So, tell tell me about the the sports background.
0: Yeah. So, from sports, I've always been involved in sports ever since I I can possibly remember. Um, I used to ski race. Um, it got to, it took me all over the world. Um, it, was, it was really really thankful to have been able to do that. And I uh, with ski racing. I was in kind of that regional national development track. So, um, I didn't necessarily go and get the traditional high school experience. I, uh, I lived in park city, Utah and skied all over the, uh, you know, that was kind of home, home base for a little bit. And then that took me kind of all over the, all over the world. So when it came to college, um, I I took two years off outside of high school and ski raced and things like that. So it was, it it was a really, really good experience. And then from there, that actually led me into bike racing when I uh, ended up, ended my ski career and started, uh, started bike racing in college.
1: Amazing. And I believe you were, were you professional? I knew you had sponsors with your bike racing. What was your bike racing career all about?
0: Yeah. So with, um, with bike racing, I, I'm trying to feel, I'll kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy how like I've, I've kind of gone pretty far in two different sports, but, um, with, with bike racing, I mainly was just, I just kind of, I don't know. I'm trying to find the best way to put it. It was, it was kind of a way that I I mainly bike raced because I, I was so sad. I didn't make the, uh, make the Olympics and go as far as I did in ski racing. So I was like, I'm going to bike race and go absolutely as hard as I can in this to to see where I can go. Um, but actually my, my professional career in bike racing actually started, um, when I, <clears throat> maybe a year after I got into it, a, a year, or actually it would have been two years after I got into recruiting. So, um, I mainly bike race just as a, as a way to just get through school. Nicole and I, obviously my wife, we traveled, she was a massage therapist for, um, for me and and she became a massage therapist so we we ended up traveling just all over the country together in our in our car just kind of having fun no no real plans or agenda and then um in 20 it would have been 2017 um i was at a I, i was at a bike race in tulsa oklahoma for a race called tulsa tough and we we ended up um i ended up getting connected to cliff bar and, and I just ended up talking to the team director and, and 2017 for me and my bike racing career was going to ended up being like my last season. Cause I was like, yeah, I kind of need to like be a recruiter now. I kind of need to like grow up and, and sure enough, um, I had like some really good noticeable kind of performances and, um, there was a, there was an opening on, on team cliff bar that following year. So, um, I remember getting, a, you know, talking throughout that summer after I got connected with team cliff bar, I ended up getting a contract for 2018. So it was, and then I, I then I kind of, then I ended up kind of was like, okay, well now I can kind of be a lifestyle recruiter and, uh, race my bike all over the, all over the U S and, and, and some international. So it was a really good gig.
1: I love Cliff bars. Uh I imagine you must have got sick of them having eaten. You I'm hoping you got a lifetime supply of Cliff bars and with the uh the deal.
0: Um, you, you know, surprisingly, I, I I still like they come out with so many new flavors. And <laughs> and like being able to like be a Cliff athlete, like I really enjoyed, like even genuinely, like I still enjoy the product. Like I love there's some certain flavors that like I absolutely love and uh is it, it i never <laughs> surprisingly like i never got sick of them because i just take this they, they'd send out like a, an athlete form and i would just absolutely go to town on it and so um this is really funny too because i told some of the uh reps at cliff bar we were like doing sponsor meetings and at headquarters i was like hey i'm a recruiter and I, uh, I ended up, I ended up would always like take cliff bars to my clients and just drop them off. It's like, just kind of a way to like differentiate myself, like saying, Hey, look like a, it's free for me to give you cliff bars and B let me know what cliff bars you want and I'll get you some cliff bars. And it would always be like a note. So when I told that to, um, the, some, some people, there are some people at cliff bar, they were like, Oh my gosh that's like the best thing ever. We'll totally just give you all the free stuff you want. If you're just going to like go around and drop off cliff bars for us. And I was like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of a win-win here. So, uh, it, it worked out, worked out really well, uh, even on the business front too.
1: Hilarious. Favorite flavor of cliff bar.
0: Um, it's torn between, so I, I really like a lot of sugar. So I really love their <laughs> strawberry blocks. Um, okay. I, I, I really do. Um, I love their strawberry, strawberry blocks. And then I also love their, um, their chocolate chip, just kind of the, the, the plain chocolate chip cliff bar. Um, just because chocolate when it's been in your good. cycling Jersey mm-hmm. all day and it's super hot, it just feels like a beautifully melted chocolate chip cookie. But, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. awesome
1: <laughs> Blueberry. I, I like the blueberry ones. They're pretty good, but, um, but listen, nice. so what, tw- You started with tech systems, um, but why did you set up your own business? Was that so that you could, because so you could spend more time cycling or?
0: Yeah. So it was really interesting. Um, I I, like to talk about like my story at tech, I was there for a year and eight months and it was one of those situations where I love, I actually loved the, the kind of diehard team effort that it would take to be successful in those, in those bullpen environments. Like I, I really enjoyed, um, the, the camaraderie that took place there specifically, even, even one person that I got to train up and, and almost kind of be a mentor And, and they fostered so many good things like in the office. I can only say amazing things about, about my time at tech what what i noticed wasn't going to work long term was the amount of like toll that it took kind of on on me my relationship with with my new wife at the time and and i i was kind of in those in that moment where i was like if i'm showing up grinding in the office starting at 7:45 leaving it leaving it five five forty five six every day like i could do that if i was a single man that had nothing else going for him but i was like okay yeah my relationship with my wife isn't good i i just could see it all kind of i could see it all playing out really quick before me you know and uh I, I just kind of made the decision at that moment. I was like, "Hey, I, I really got to choose choose family, and I really got to choose the relationship with with my wife, relationship with um, just other people." Because it, I was starting to notice that in the to be truly successful in that environment, um, I found that you really had to go all in. I mean, and it, it was going to take more than just kind of your working your working life. Um, so that was kind of my reason from from leaving tech. It was always kind of hard. I've always kind of regretted there's always been this piece of me that's regretted leaving tech because um, the the Boise tech office just does things so well. And I've always kind of looked back on those days just with the ultimate and, and fondest memories. But that was kind of the, the main reason uh, why. So then from there, I ended up uh, going to a really small boutique firm um, that and, and, and I kind of figured out that this, this firm that I was at was so, uh, it was, it was so small. There was absolutely no support. I was doing some, some sales just for, in it was mainly like kind of healthcare, healthcare EMR staffing as, as that market extremely dried up that, that was actually, um, where I kind of realized I was like, okay, I could, I could totally not only do my own thing, but, um, I could really, uh, I could really be successful at this. Like that was kind of where I saw. Like I really enjoyed the account management side of the business. I really enjoyed um, creating solutions with clients. I really, really enjoyed um, even even just from there. Like managing the the flow of requisitions, and and I really just I just enjoyed the the pipelines and just everything that kind of goes involved with being a managing director. Um, I I found out really fast that I was the managing director when I was getting calls from the owner from the golf course and I was like, I had the thought, I was like, wait, (laughs) I'm doing everything. And I I was enjoying it, you know? I mean, I was enjoying doing everything and I was living kind of a really good kind of work-life balance. so that was actually how i how i really started to succeed with uh with cliff bar and cycling because i was like okay sweet i can travel i can train you know (laughs) someone's paying me a base salary you know so um that was that was really the that that was kind of the bridge the bridge point to to where i am right now was that was that role
1: fantastic all right awesome so tell me the story about you know you you launched this business, but it was still kind of like a lifestyle business and you know, what, what changed for you that made you decide I'm actually going to really scale something here and take this all the way and, and like build a company rather than just have a, a nice little business.
0: So it was, it was, it was kind of interesting, right? So in 20, in 2019, I I think I traveled to like, I think it was like 25 or 30. I think it was, I I can't believe, I can't remember the exact number, but in the course of February to September, I was gone like 30 plus weekends and and I was just all over the country racing my bike and I was down, uh, we were finishing out the race season in Trinidad and Tobago in, uh, the Southern, Southern Caribbean. And, um, from there, it was, I just kind of had this moment on the beach where I was like, you know, I, I just kind of had this like feeling that 2020, like the next year, I wasn't going to be racing as much. I was like, I, I just remember like having this moment and I was like, well, if I'm not going to be racing, like, what am I going to do? And I was, and I just kind of had that thought, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know why, I don't know. I I, I kind of had determined that I was, I was going to get a contract in the spot next year in for 2020 and, and then sure enough, right. um, You know, go to team, you know, fast forward to team camp of, of 2020 in Napa Valley and the pandemic hit that next weekend. <laughs> and so, so, um, and, and that was, was kind of, exactly right so it was kind of this weird experience where I was I was kind of just sitting in my apartment I was I was living in this just kind of apartment because I was never my wife and I we were never home Um, and I was like I was sitting in my apartment like okay well what am what am I gonna do because like keep in mind like I'm billing honestly I'm billing 90k so like As a as a professional bike racer, billing ninety k, traveling all over the U.S., and like having your life paid for you, and having a side business of recruiting, doing that, like that was so freaking fun. Like it was it was such a good time. But then then I'm like kind of sitting around, like well, okay, ninety k in billings is only like five or six placements a year. I like don't have any clients. Like I really should probably like get to work. So I'll always remember I ended up uh, just immediately, I, I ended up like finding Danny Cahill and I just like figured out like how to make NPC calls. And so I mean, just like really, really, really like, you know, just interest- interesting ways to do it. Let's just put it that way for from, from what from what I've learned now. But so what I did was I just like, would make all these NPC calls. Um, my My friend actually gave me, Uh, a list that he had from, uh, yeah, Zoom Info. And that was really how I started. And so um, fast forward that, I'm like actually competing. So I I had a non-compete with my previous company. So I couldn't do any information technology. I couldn't do any healthcare, which were the two subsets that I knew the best. And so then I was like, well, you know what? Like I'm going to, I'm going to go all into accounting and finance. Like, I know, I know absolutely nothing about accountants. I know <laughs> nothing about, like, okay. I know absolutely nothing about how accounting and finance works, but I'm going to go all into it. And I'm just going to put effort out there because I think one thing that I learned with recruiting was that, like, I feel like you're paid in effort. Like, I feel like recruiting uh, recruiting's a game where if you put a lot of effort out there, good stuff's going to happen. So I ended up taking like this candidate that I thought was really good. And turns out, like, when I actually, like, ended up placing them, they ended up being super horrible because I just knew nothing. Oh, I, no. I just, I'm being super transparent, right? Like, I'm just being at the, at the point in time. I'm, like, all I knew was bike racing and how to, you know, get a little bit done. But so I'm, like, okay, well, I'm going to really, like, try and build a build a full-on desk here. And so – um Ended up, uh, ended up actually like getting in with other with as you know right with MPCs. It, it would never be like okay, well we're not looking for this. We're really looking for this, and it was really good during COVID right because a lot of companies were looking for accounting and finance talent just to kind of navigate like the turbulent waters whether it was people getting PPP loans or, or or things of that nature right. There was just a lot of um there there's just a lot of need for accounting and finance which was which is really cool, um, and then from there. I ended up getting a, a cfo deal like i ended up like getting a company that was like hey um you know do you, do you have any cfos and i was like oh my god you know because <laughs> like going so, from like you know i was like this this could be light this could be life-changing money you know and uh and, and so sure enough um you know and then i actually like looped in nicole on it. i was like okay nicole you're not massaging like let's let's figure this out And uh, sure enough, we did a place in the CFO. And then ever since that, that point, we, uh, I hired, I hired Jess. I hired my first employee, Jesse. And, and that was kind of how it all, that was kind of how it really started. Um, during that time of COVID, of not having the, of not really having it. So yeah, it was a lot, really, really fun.
1: Well, what, what comes across from you, Paul, and what I really admire and, and and respect about you. You are super positive, and you also are incredibly hardworking and, and focused. And that combination seems to be, you know, really working for you. Um, so you t- just started NPC calling, you uh figured things out as you went along, you ended up filling a CFO slot and then that gave you the confidence and the cash flow to say hey let's like Nicole why don't you join me in the business and we're going to hire Jesse and we're going to start growing this thing um, yeah. Yeah. okay amazing and so what happened from there
0: yeah so we ended up uh we ended up hiring Jesse and so what we did mm. um there is a uh He was kind of, he's the first guy. And he, I I knew from day one that he was, he was the guy I just, I always knew. So I called him, he was, he was kind of in a a glorified call center sales environment where he was going in and setting appointments for, um, kind of higher level account executives for selling, uh, HCM solutions. So, um, he, he, all, all that his life was, was making 80 to 150 calls a day setting appointments. So I was like, OK, the way that I interviewed him, I was like, hey, Jesse, like, let's just figure this out. Like, I'm going to give you I'm going to show you my MPC script. This is how it works. And just gave him like a five minute overview in the in, in the in the meeting. You know, like I just had him come over to my house. I was like, hey, this is how I do it. I'm going to show you how to do it. The first day he interviewed, he ended up setting seven appointments um, during, the
1: the, during the interview,
0: during the interview. During the interview. And so and so from there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I've never had seven sales appointments like in a month, you know, (laughs) like let alone, (laughs) let let alone. And this is all during this is all during this is all during the pandemic, too. Like this is this is crazy. I mean, people were picking up their phones like crazy. So get Jesse on board. And and he just we all that him and I did was just do MPC calls every single day and and then we got job orders and i remember like the first time we were working four job orders at one point in time and then it turned into eight job orders and then it turned into you know we we just it, it just started rolling because one thing that like jesse and i did that i just am super proud of is that like not only did like if we ever had a bad call we always picked up the phone to the next call like him and i we just we we just did it together and like now that now we are where we are and i'm not saying we're, we're anywhere special but it's like that's like the core of our culture is like if it's a good call it's a good call we set up and we move forward but if it's a bad call and they scream at you or they're you know or they even you know don't follow up with you we still focus on moving forward to the next best thing you know we always just focus on like where okay where are we going to find the positives where are we going to find the learning learning opportunities in that so that's kind of how like with with jesse and i um in those, in those days. So then it really started to grow actually to the point to where, um, Nicole decided to come on board because there were just some changes in, in massage just from the stance of, uh, kind of the polarized, um, culture here in America. So there was just a lot of people like, you know, Nicole would have therapists and clients that would come in that would be one side really fired up about what they heard on the news on, you know, on that day. And then the next client would come in really fired up on what they heard about the news. And it'd be kind of those polarizing things and things were just really kind of in a lot of tension. Um, mm. and I didn't, I didn't know this, but you know, people and they're like massage therapists, like they're, they're very like, they, they talk a lot. They're very like, there's kind of this connection there. Um, and that was kind of where Nicole was like, yeah, this really is, it's kind of crazy. So, we decided, she decided to come on board as a, a as a recruiter from that point. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like I got two employees now. Like this is, this is crazy. <laughs> so, um, and that was kind of where, where we started. And that was actually, um, when I realized at that, at that moment, it was, it would have been October of 2020 at that point. So, um, yeah, October. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah, I would have been October of twenty twenty. Um, at that point, so that was kind of when I realized it was time to start looking for a coach, start looking for some oversight, start looking for um ways ways to actually like improve the business, ways to get better, ways to get myself better as a recruiter. Um, I, I think what I could start to see super quickly was like the issues that I had at Tech Systems were starting to. Or, or, you know, starting to come up again. Right. I just didn't know how to like balance. I would just go all into to the work and what that, that really started to, to come up. So I was like, well, Hey, I need, I need a coach. I need to figure out like how to build process. I need to figure out how to build procedure, you know, cause we, we kind of had a joke, right? Like, it was it was truly a freewheeling hippie commune until, um. And as Greg Savage puts it, right? Like, I mean, it was it was truly like that. Just with the three of us, it was like, okay, sweet. What are we going to do? And what are we going to find today? I'd be like, I don't know, you know. And uh, and <laughs> we just would kind of go go forward with that. Um. So so yeah, it's been it, so it, it, yeah. Okay. All try, right. But yeah.
1: So no, that's cool. If you're a recruitment business owner, you might be feeling the pressure to invest in new technology. But how do you invest in technology that is proven to win higher paying clients? Otherwise, overall, you're just making a financial loss. Our trusted partner, iintro, has a solution for this. They provide recruiters with an online delivery platform for the candidate shortlist. So instead of sending over CVs or resumes, you can send your clients an online profile that includes video, key competency questionnaires and behavioral assessments. It looks more professional than a CV or a PDF, plus it helps the client make a more informed decision about who to call to interview. But that's not all. iintro also provides recruitment business owners with coaching for their team, not just to help them use the software, but to help them use it to win more retained business. Their comprehensive training program is specifically designed to help recruiters at all levels of experience develop a retained recruitment service. In fact, many of the hundreds of recruitment businesses they've worked with win a brand new retained client after only a few weeks of getting started. To see iIntro in action, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to book a free demonstration. There's no obligation, plus you'll also be helping to support this podcast. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. There are thousands and thousands of recruiting companies, right, as we know, and your trajectory has just been, your growth has been so rapid and I'm trying to figure out how you've done that now one of the things i can observe is that you're getting tons of repeat business like you're opening accounts number one like you have a successful sales engine uh with with you and jesse you are successful at opening accounts but then you were getting just volume and like uh volume of repeat business from those accounts and then obviously you were de- delivering because you just can ke- keep getting orders how did you uh what do you think is the secret you know the special sauce at tamarack
0: yeah so i think there's there's two things right like i think the first is so so i'll, I'll This is this is kind of how I see it. And I could be I could be way off in the way that I the way that I see things, but this is kind of how I see it. I see that when you treat like when you create a really, really safe and a, a really emotionally safe environment to work in, I see that my my team treats clients unbelievably well because mm. i i make sure that so that that's just the first part right and that that's that's the first the first part is like i i think where recruiting firms have seriously seriously gone wrong is that they're not creating emotionally and mentally safe environments for their employees so so for example right like i vividly remember in certain environments i i would be shaking because a, a counter offer came up and i was so afraid to tell a boss or a dbo because i knew that like i dropped the ball or i knew that i did something wrong right because i think in recruiting i don't think there's you're ever going to find someone who's going to do a perfect deal every single time right there's always going to be times especially when reps are first starting out where they're going to make massive mistakes just massive mistakes so My role in that is to be like, whenever I have someone that makes just like a gut busting blaring mistake is to always say, Hey, you know what? Like you are not in the wrong here. Yes. A mistake was been made, but I always use we language. I never, I never want to like go accusatory. So it's created this environment where reps feel like they have this ability to flourish, right? Because I, I I've seen in a lot of recruitment environments, like Coming absolutely coming down on on it when reps make mistakes. So that's like the first. That's the first part. And so with that, it's transitioned into giving that. Then it's giving the reps the tools, the procedures, and the abilities to really. This is now I'm going into the second part. Right. The second part is is really the ability to to understand the client at at two different levels. It's to understand the client. Not only like the the true, true skill set. So we have like a 36 question questionnaire that we take all of our job orders through. And and for me, it's all about, I want to be able to create a process for my recruiters to give them as much information as humanly possible about the role. And so the reason why I've seen that there is a, a lot of comeback from our clients is because when we take a job order, it's much more than just saying a quick 15, 20 minute phone call. And then we're off to the races, right? Like it, and then you kind of just like, go figure it out. So a lot of times we'll, we'll take our hiring managers into saying, like, we'll say, Hey, like we'll talk about certain candidates and we'll get the hiring manager's thoughts. So we'll go at a really, really, really deep granular level with the hiring manager. And, And with that, we've seen the hiring managers just come back for repeat business because they literally will tell us you understand my hiring needs and you actually understand me.
1: So let's just summarize what you've shared so far. Number one is you're creating a very safe environment for your recruiters where they know that uh, if they make a mistake, they're not going to get reprimanded or fired, right? They, they're, uh, so they, they're, able to show up and do their best work because they feel um supported and uh so i get that that makes a lot of sense secondly you're getting a huge amount of buy-in from your hiring managers from your clients they feel like you really understand their what they're looking for what their hiring needs are any other ingredients here that you think have been critical to your success because um what you're describing is, is, is great and um, definitely, especially on, as a leader and the, your leadership style, I think is awesome. But um, I still don't know if we've really gotten to the bottom of how you've gone from, like you've basically 10 extra billings in, in three years, which yeah. is just un, unreal. What, what else do you think is going on here?
0: I'm just. I, I think that, like, from a from a practical level, um, you know, I'm very. I also, when I when I was when I was working, um, I, I just didn't put any time. Like, when I was going at 90k, right? Like, I just didn't put any time towards it.
1: Right. You know. Right. I, sure. I just.
0: I mean, there was there was a total a, a total time thing. So, I mean, I I've also kind of felt like I started recruiting at man, I, I mean, I really feel like I started recruiting when I hired Jesse, you know? Um, okay. So, so Interesting. you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of when I really felt like I i started. Um, so, so I, why do you say kinda... that? Do you mean like
1: taking um, it hundred percent serious and giving it your entire focus or
0: exactly, exactly. Like I, I, I felt like when I, when I was recruiting, like as it, when I was racing aggressively, I, I did it more so from a stance of, Hey, if I, if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose to numbers game, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I also, yeah, I, I hope that, I hope that kind of answers. I hope that kind of answers, answers the question.
1: Paul, um, but, tell me about your business model because like you have things set up almost like an assembly line, which is really interesting. Could you share mm-hmm. the different roles and how people work together as a team?
0: Absolutely. So, um, the biggest thing that we have is we have a dedicated business development resource, so that kind of is where everything's everything starts. And that business development resource is all all that they're doing is setting appointments. So we have, um, and I'll just kind of start off where we're at, where where we're at right now. So we have email campaigns, we have LinkedIn campaigns, um, we also have have cold calling campaigns. So we're we're running three different. Campaigns three different styles of campaigning simultaneously. And so the purpose of that point is really about just getting a meeting. So and and that meeting is going to set get set up for our account recruiting managers, our account recruiting managers, then qualify the meeting. Um, So, so that's just kind of from how like the qualification of of the actual meeting itself, then when we actually move forward into a, a formalized search process, um we have a sourcer. Wait a second.
1: Uh, the the step in the middle, that's the account recruiting manager who like does the client meeting, yeah. uh t- takes the brief, uh, discusses clients' hiring needs. Yep. Yeah, yeah Discusses 36 questions.
0: Well, I so so that's actually where there's a there's a breaking point right there, right? Oh, okay. So then from, from their 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 goal mm-hmm. is then to get the agreement signed. Right. So okay. then from, and mm-hmm. then once when the agreement is executed, terms are met. Then we, bring, then we bring in a sourcer, the account recruiting manager that they've been working with, and then also a designated recruiter. So there's three people working on, on, this, on this process. And then from there, we'll run through, we'll, we'll actually run through the search process of starting off having the recruiter and the account manager and the sourcer on that call to the hiring manager in my opinion, is, is, is a game changer. Because then from there, there's a debrief internally after these calls with hiring managers. And we can, you essentially have three minds saying, oh, I picked up this, I picked up this, I picked up this. And then during the process too, we'll also even bring the hiring manager into, into parts of our sourcing process. So from that point, the hiring manager now feels fully bought in to, to our company right? To our initiatives. And they're, they're seeing, oh my gosh, this is... It, it more so takes the recruitment experience from like, I'm just going to, as a recruitment agency, just send you candidates to curating an experience for the hiring manager to where they actually feel like it's a project that we're working on together.
1: I love that. That is so cool. What right parts... What parts of the pro apart from the intake call, where you've got the hiring manager plus three people from your team the sourcer, the recruiter, and the account manager are all in that call? What other parts do you involve the client in?
0: Um, as far as it's the, the, the sourcing and that's and that's about it. I mean, I, I think just the sourcing, but what do that's you mean in- by
1: involving them in the sourcing? I, I've not heard of that before
0: yeah so so what we'll even do at times is we'll even we're we're very i've i have grown so so i'll kind of i'll kind of say this when i was uh cycling i became like a sourcing guru i fell in love with building booleans i i fell in love with the technical piece of actually like finding a recruitment stack to actually like audit not only automate certain parts of the process but just finding this recruitment stack that was really around finding candidates that could not be found through traditional
1: okay, sources. Awesome.
0: So that's that's been a big thing for us is bringing the hiring manager into saying, okay, like if you're really looking for these types of skill sets, whether it's a really really technical technical job, un, you know, showing the hiring manager saying, okay, like this is. If you want this skill set, this is how many less candidates in this de- in this uh, geographic market you're going to have access to because of this skill set. So we're able to bring the hiring manager that granular into the sourcing process, um, and and it just is it's educating the hiring manager into our world.
1: Okay, so you're you're literally telling them if you need this skill set, it reduces your talent pool from this number to this number. Is it that sort of conversation or
0: and and that's and that's more in like very 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 niche roles that we work on right so it's 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 not it's not going to be that simple for like a (laughs) a simple staff accountant or something like that that's going to be a lot different but but for we see it more so in highly 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 technical roles
1: okay all right awesome so you've got it sounds like you've got an effective um process and so the the roles you've got you've got your dedicated business development person you've got the account manager, you've got the sourcer you've got the recruiter um, <clears throat> and they're working as a as an effective unit, which it just sounds it sounds amazing the way you're doing that. um I know that you're passionate about managing Gen z recruiters. Could you say a little because you've got a very young team. Could you say a little about why you've chosen to do that and and how it works in your business?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think this all kind of attributed a lot to the conversations that um that we've talked about just not only in inner circle apex but when I, even when I first joined of like the conversations um of like why to hire, who to hire, how to hire, um things like that. And I decided to go with a growth model of bringing kids in fresh out of college so we could teach them our process, teach them our procedure. Um and and I think that something that I, I learned like coming out of college is that I, I vividly remember just how vulnerable coming out of college was, I, at least for my experience. I think there's a lot of kids that come out of college and then think they're on the top of the world and they don't they don't stop. it. coming out of college for me was like really vulnerable, kind of entering the workforce. And um, I didn't quite realize as as an individual contributor, like my the potential value that I could bring. Especially like when I was being yelled at, or if if you know I, I always felt like at times like I'd be walking on like eggshells, making sure I'd be like perfect you know and and I think those are a lot of a lot of recruiting environments where it's like if you don't deliver on your kPIs, then why are you here you know um and and I think a big thing that i I focus on in managing gen Zs is is just being able to. Say hey, you know what? Like, if you need to take a day off today, take a day off. You know what? You didn't hit your KPIs, like take a day off. And what I've seen with that attitude of truly giving my employees like absolute free reign mm-hmm. is they they work ten times harder as if I would have said you have to do this and I'm going to force you and 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 bombard you. Like I I think that obviously like i we put a lot into like the kind of people we hire you know so it's it's like if if we see really quickly that this person's going to take advantage obviously like you know you can see that pretty you you can you can see that pretty clearly in the interview process but i i think like i have a big passion for for managing like gen z's just because like i really want to give them an experience that launches them into their their professional careers Um, And I think recruitment, at the end of the day, recruitment is a great career for a lot of people to work for three to five years or even two years and then go find find what they really want to do. You know, I mean, at at the end of the day, like there isn't a lot of people that stay in recruitment long term. And I want to be able to, I just have a huge passion for creating a working environment for people that they feel very, very safe and very, very empowered in. Um, and I, I see Sounds that, um, yeah, it's, 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 I have one, I have even one employee that got a computer science degree, was working at a coffee shop because he felt like coding was ridiculous. And it, he, I think I, I, I don't want to use his exact words, but, um, you know, felt, felt like it was just kind of way too much of a grind. And then he ended up interning with us for a couple of months and then ended up quitting his coffee shop, joining full time. And then not even not even telling us that he was coming on full time until like two weeks before he, before he started, you know. So, so. L-
1: let me ask you about this then, because you seem to h- hiring it can be a challenge and identifying the people who are going to be successful, and you seem to have a, a ability to pick people who you wouldn't necessarily immediately like a guy working in a, as a barista it's not an obvious background to choose. Like the, the Jesse had a more obvious background, right? He was grinding out 80 to hundred calls a day or whatever. You can see, oh, if he can do that, he can do this. Like this is going to seem easy for him in comparison. But then someone else co- who's like f- has a uh, degree in uh, computer science and then is working as a barista, how did you, what led you to think they were going to be successful at uh, recruiting?
0: Um. I think that a lot of a lot of what I've seen and how I'm building my business right now is I don't I don't look at people making me successful. I look at the company making people successful. So, I don't really see I don't really look at people and this is just something that I've that I've clearly seen just in in working in a tertiary market, right? So in working in Boise we don't necessarily have a talent pool of a Denver or a, or a San Francisco where like you can find the perfect person. You really have to like what I've seen hiring managers really be successful specifically in Boise are hiring managers that are able to adapt and, and truly have to ramp certain aspects up about, about a specific role just because there's not enough of a talent pool um, for certain positions specifically, specifically in technology. So I saw that very clearly in recruiting. So so I look at building my business as anyone can come in here in, in a certain role. They're going to have the training. They're going to have the tools to where all they need to do is breathe and put effort in and they will be successful. And so I, I think that... <laughs>
1: Just let me like, pause here because I love the way you put that. So as long as they're breathing and you know, in other words, they're alive and they're willing to put in the effort. That's the, that's the criteria because you're going to give them the platform, the tools, the training, the process, they just follow your process, leverage the technology that you're giving them. But it's about the effort, I guess is what you're saying is, are they willing to put in the effort? And that is, how do you determine that? Because they're, and I know this is a stereotype and I don't necessarily buy into it, but you hear older like people my age complaining about younger folks who don't have the same work ethic that they had, blah, blah, blah. Um, you're obviously disproving that. How are you finding the, the folks who are willing to put in the effort?
0: So I think it's an issue is, is like not all Gen Zs want to be paid a ton of money. Like okay. I, I think we're hiring managers, especially like sales sales salespeople, are absolutely missing the ball one hundred percent. Is they think that money translates into solving all of the world's problems and solving all your emotional problems, solving everything. Where in all reality, like some some Gen Z, some millennials, yeah, they're money driven, right? And and recruitment's a great business for them. But other times it might be time off. It might be saying, it, it might be, okay, you know what? If you hit your KPIs this week, we're taking Friday off. And and a and, and part, and I think part of it too is just having the vulnerability to say to your employees, like as a boss, be like, look, like I'll, I'll give a live example of what happened um, two week, two weeks ago. So I said, okay, if everyone hits their KPIs this week, next, and next week we are going to take this Friday off coming into labor day because I don't, I just was very transparent. I was like, I don't want to work. I want to be able, <laughs> right. I mean, and I think, I, I really think that just having that transparency, like it really gets a, it really gets a buy-in right. Of how of just saying, look, like, we all need to hit our KPIs because I don't I, I know you don't want I know you don't want to be in the office on a beautiful Friday afternoon, and neither do I. So we're gonna grind and grind this out together. Right. So I honestly I, I really try and take like a management approach of like being in the trenches with the team. Um but it
1: sounds Paul
0: like you've
1: really tuned you're you're attuned to what actually motivates them and not only looking for a certain type like stereotypical recruiter is someone who's extremely money motivated and um you're saying well actually i i can i can work with a, n- a different profile person and they can be really successful here and but it's figuring out what motivates each individual and then and empowering them and creating an environment where it's possible for them to have that and achieve that
0: so 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 i'll give another example right like one uh we we hi, we needed to hire a business development rep because we had pr- made a promotion from someone who was a previous business development rep into a new uh, into a new position so we had to we had to find someone new so end up hiring this end up hiring this kid or, or, he's, yeah, yeah, he's he's not really a kid but he ended up hiring ending up hiring um ended up hiring someone and I I sat across from him and I'm like, what motivates you? And 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 I could very clearly tell, just based on the 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 I don't want to say spidey senses in me, but just I could tell that money and time weren't really of high motivation to him. But, but I mean, obviously he's he's had like four years of being a business development rep, right? So I mean this guy had has has definitely a successful tenure. Um and and I I started to really really talk to him, and I found out he really loves sports. I mean, this guy this guy's the amount of sports this individual knows is is shocking. Like it is absolutely shocking. Well, he's now so his trial plan: if he hits a certain number of meetings, like kept and and all of these things kept, he's gonna go watch um, the he's gonna go watch. Russell Wilson play in Seattle um for the opening game right so Russell Wilson used to play for Seattle now he transferred into Denver the opening NFL game is 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 that like that's the opening NFL game it's I think it's a Monday night game on the on September 11th or something like that and yeah like I mean I I bought him a ticket and I said you know hey look man like if you want if you want this, like, and he's, you just, we just have to find as, as business owners and business leaders, like one commission plan, one size does not fit all. Right. And, and, and I think what I'm seeing with like Gen Z's is like, you have to create a tailorized work experience for these people. And when you do that in the right way, they will feel bought in. And they will absolutely work into the ground for you.
1: <laughs> okay. I love it. You're, you're, um, you're, cust- you're, you're really getting to understand your team members, what is important to them, and then helping them get it.
0: Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, right, as a, as, a, as a managing director, like my clients is now my team. I have to do whatever I can to understand them. I have to do whatever I can to motivate them to the exact way that they're going to feel successful.
1: I love it. Yeah.
0: That's kind (laughs) of where we have to transition to if we're going to be successful in managing Gen Zs, in managing like this new up and coming generation. Because it's not, a lot of times, it's not like, oh, let's set a contest where we can all, uh, you know, go, go to some cool, cool place for one week and you absolutely grind the rest of the year. It's like that, 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 who cares? You know, a millennial is going to look, or a lot of Gen Z's look at that and be like, I don't, who cares about if you go to Mexico for a week, if I'm living a hell, if I'm living a really hard life the rest of the year, you know, um, we have to find exact things that suit them and then absolutely maximize that kind of potential.
1: Love it. That's, that's really cool. Did you know that fewer than 1% of recruitment business owners ever achieve an exit? The good news is that it's absolutely achievable if you know how. That know-how and proven track record is exactly what Recruitment Entrepreneur provides. They're the number one investor in recruitment startups and scale-ups globally. James Kahn and his team have done this many times before. In fact, they've backed 45 businesses already and they're only just getting started. Based in London, they've now launched in the USA and many other countries around the world. They're looking to partner with ambitious recruiters who want to start, scale, and sell their recruitment business. They provide the funding, mentoring, advice, and support you need to become one of the top 1% who successfully exit their recruitment business. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC is in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them you were referred by Mark Whitby and the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. You've mentioned empowerment uh, a lot. What does that mean to you and how are you um, empowering people to be successful?
0: So I think a lot of it too is like, what I've, what I've seen is empowering. I think empowering people looks completely different for the type of person that you're dealing with. Right. So like I've, I think a lot for me is like I get empowered through verbal encouragement. Other people get empowered through, and I don't know if you've ever like read the book, like five love languages, but I think that it's very common to encourage people in, in in like make sure people feel noticed in the workplace. Right. So, so okay, wait a, a
1: sec, let me just press pause on this for a second. So I've not read the book, but, I, if I understand, if I'm extrapolating correctly, it's a book about relationships, mm-hmm. but you're just applying the same, uh, philosophy, the same strategy into business, like work relationships. Is that yes, the idea? Yes.
0: Okay. Cause, cause 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 what I've seen is like, people want to actually do something that matter.
1: Mm, yeah, totally. Have you ever Drive by Dan, Daniel Pink?
0: No, I haven't.
1: It put it on your on your list. I think you'd like it, Paul. But it's very much about that. It's that people are motivated by things like autonomy, mm-hmm. uh, mastery, and uh, and meaning. Doing something that matters, like feeling like that what they're doing matters. And without having read the book, you're sort of applying that philosophy to to, to your business. Um, but sorry, I interrupted you. You, you were saying people want to do stuff that matters.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think in two ways of doing that, like, I think you have to notice, I think you have to, we as business leaders, we have to notice when, when people work hard. I I think that that's been, I mean, if you see too, right? Like that's a big complaint of, you hear a lot of hiring managers say like, they just want to be coddled. But really, like you're dealing with a fatherless generation that was never noticed because their parents were at work all day. Right. So, so we as business leaders, I hate to say it, we have to kind of pick up the slack to be like, okay, like I'm going to notice you. And, And you know what? Like, I've had employees like say to me, like, open up really in depth things to me. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, we're gonna deal with this. Like, you've let me know, and it's like, I'm not your therapist, I'm not your counselor, but I am gonna create a work environment for you that, like, I'm gonna let you know every day that I'm proud of you. I'm gonna let you know as a boss that, like, every day you're coming in here that, like, your efforts do matter, your efforts do count, right? And like, I think that it's like we have to kind of harness that because that's what's gonna harness people to be like, I will make 120 calls for you. And I will do it happily, right like that's how like we have to motivate I believe at like a really really deep level and and when and when we tap into that motivation of the person, that's where we're going to see insane that that I've seen I'll say that I've seen insane results
1: well, there's no question the results you're getting are disproportionate to the size of team like the the just the level of business you guys are winning and the uh the revenue you guys are generating for a pretty small team and are you guys still working out of your your house or like what's the what's the setup
0: yeah so so we have a full like our our company is fully built remotely so um we we fully like i really did not think i'd have to get an office and stuff like that and i'm kind of kicking and screaming um but yeah so we we work kind of hybrid so um we have we have one fully remote employee and then um the rest is all of us just here in boise and we just they we kind of work out of our basement which is awesome but it's unfortunately like we're coming to the point to where we have to get an office and I'm kind of kicking and screaming to do it. Cause I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I just want to be able to go and like, yeah, I, I don't know why, but, uh, but we're, we're, we're getting ready to uh, we're in the process right now of looking for office space. And, where I'm I'm like I really want to be super downtown but then everyone else is like no I want to be by the surf wave and I'm like well the surf wave is cool you know so we're just we're we're kind of in that in that process of kind of figuring out where we want to where where we want to land
1: I I think you could do you you definitely need to find an office that is going to sustain the culture that you've created I can't see you just going into a box in a like office block, like with a hundred other companies, you definitely need to do something that's a little bit quirky, a little bit different that where people still feel, because you're right now, people are coming into your home, right? And they're just, you've got desks everywhere and people are just like, that is a such a cool vibe. I understand why, like you're at the point now where you can't keep growing. If if, There's only so many desks you can fit into your basement, but um like i i'm just as an example i i went and worked with a client over in uh, barcelona and they had such a cool office it was um it basically was like uh i don't know if this was what is this is all offices in barcelona but it was like a, a block of flats like it was a tenement building okay on this really old street um you walk up the stairs to their it's basically like a whole flat, like a whole apartment. Um really high like it was an old building so like really high ceilings, um big rooms and then it opened up. They had these sliding doors that went out onto this balcony which was massive. It was like this huge that overlooked the city and they had out there like deck furniture with awnings. They had like a barbecue, they had like uh table tennis and but like this this it was just a really cool office, and uh, like obviously that was Barcelona. It was half like you know, I'm not, I w- That's hard to replicate, but I'm sure you could find something that is just different to, you know, a standard, boring recruiting office um, that where people still have that seem relaxed. Vibe that you've created by working out of your out of your house. Um, sorry, that was a complete tangent. No, call, no, that's but, good. Um,
0: I, uh, I need. I that's kind of what we're because we're like trying to figure something out that's going to be a fit for for our culture and like. Yeah, I don't know. I've kind of like been in this place where it's like I just want to feel cool being downtown, but I'm also at the same time like our culture is not going to fit in a box, you know, which, yeah, which is I know, definitely, you know, but yeah, that's, maybe that's you,
1: and, you and Nicole just need to buy a bigger house so you can fit more people in it.
0: Totally. Totally. I think that'd be, <laughs> I, I think, I think we, my, are yeah, I think people would love, would love that. <laughs> we'll see.
1: <laughs> awesome. Uh, All right. Well, look, you've, um, you've gotten to seven people. Wh- what's the, what's the vision?
0: Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's ever changing, right? Um, I think okay. that, it's it's like i'm kind of in this place where yeah we'd love to grow to you know 30 40 50 million in revenue multiple offices but then also i'm 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 i've really been challenged by building out the infrastructure first so um you know like a big deficit that i found out in our organization was was training so we've Mm -hmm. built out this this six-week training process um it's been it's really, really exciting what we're rolling out to the team um so so right now I'm kind of in this interesting spot where like there's there's like the pro athlete in me that's like grow to a hundred million dollars and then sell and then retire on a beach, you know I mean, you know what I mean, but then it's like also too like in in really doing like the research i've I've like it's been really vulnerable because. You know, half of companies that go bankrupt, it's always the year. It's always within one to two years after their record sales, right? So huh. I've I've kind of learned like, okay, so it's like it's like I'm in, in this place right now where it's like, okay, it's scaling, but it's at what cost, right? Like what, like because you you there's a lot of things that go into place that when you scale, and I'm even seeing it right now of growing from. From three to seven and we have our eighth person starting in october 1st um congrats you know like i i'm i'm in this place right now of of kind of of almost kind of reassessing and reevaluating um we have this beautiful delivery infrastructure we have a beautiful sales infrastructure but what i'm starting to see right now is like okay we you know to train it, it, it's a whole nother add on creating a culture of, of coaching, creating a culture of, of yeah. continuously learning, you know, which is, which is huge if in, in growing from, from 3 million to, to 10 million, right? Like there's Absolutely. so many things of uh, that, that like I'm, I'm in the process right now of putting in. So, you know, growing to where we've grown right now, I've, I've kind of, you know, I'm I'm not as much involved on a desk, which is, Mm-hmm. Which, 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 there's good pieces to it. There's bad pieces to it. But now I'm realizing it's like, okay, I got to invest in like I've have, I've have four I have four core people that I'm like pouring everything into, and and so I'm in this place right now of of like re, really reevaluating my vision because I'm seeing fruits mm-hmm. of uh, of the true differences of like growing an organization right and mm. i think there's there's mm-hmm. beauty to it like it's really really fun but i'm i'm kind of in this place right now where i'm like i'm not just i'm like really reevaluating like growing for growth's sake you know like absolutely I, I'm, I'm really in that place just in this moment right now because like i'm realizing it's like wow i i totally am not riding my bike as much i'm not running as much i'm 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 working from dawn to dusk and it's like hey that's great mm. But at the same time, I'm I'm really evaluating in the price of like okay, in scaling a massive organization, what is the true cost to that? So I wish I I, I wish in, in previous times I would have been like Mark, I'm gonna grow to like 100 million one day and it's gonna be insane. But I'm at this place right now where it's like, you know, I, I I'm honestly realizing that like slow growth might. I, I'm just been entertaining ideas of like what's slow growth versus rapid growth, you know. Um, and so, so yeah, I I wish I could kind of give a clearer answer. Um, but yeah, so, so we'll, we'll kind of see, I I I think, I think eventually I I I see we've hit targets, uh, you know, obviously set targets to hit 3 million, um, you know, next year. And then, I mean, really my, my target, my targets are, you know, 3 million and then 10 million and then kind of right, right at 10 million is kind of when I'm going to, look my head around and kind of say like, you know, re- resurvey the land. So I've kind of given myself like two areas two two, two revenue targets to resurvey. Um, but, but yeah, I hope that, I, ho- I hope that can kind of, kind of answer.
1: Yeah, no, totally. It sounds, I mean, look, it's hard to see further than three years ahead anyway. So you've got your next couple of milestones mapped out, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, this journey that you're on, you're just learning so much and it's, um it's exciting to see what you're doing paul and it's a privilege to be part of your uh part of your journey because um yeah it's just really exciting seeing you nicole implement these things like the training that you just mentioned like that's the latest thing that you're really investing a lot of energy on uh which i think is going to definitely pay dividends um And uh, I just, I'm glad you came on the podcast. I love your energy. Uh, You're a, you're a fun guy. And uh, I can see why you've, you've, you've created this environment and this team, which um, people, people are just outperforming against expectation. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with your leadership and the way that you, the way that you run things. So kudos to you, man. You're you're doing a phenomenal job and, and thanks for coming on the show and sharing it.
0: Hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm super thankful that you, you, I got to come on because it, it was really funny. Even before I contacted you, I'd be listening to, I think I listened to like, like Jordan Rayboy, or I listened to some like people on your podcast. I was like, this is insane. Like they can build this. <laughs> and it's just really cool to be on, on the show now. I feel it's a huge honor. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, brilliant. Absolutely. My pleasure. So thanks. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll see you guys next week.
0: Cool. See, see you, buddy. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.